Hey, I'm Taylor Dorson, and this is the Professional Technical Interviewee. Technical interviews are hard, and every company does them differently. On this show, I interview engineering leaders to see what they look for in technical candidates, and then they perform a real technical interview with me. My guest today is Sean Walter. He's currently an engineering director at Active Campaign and previously worked at Spot Hero, Belly, and Vocal here in Chicago. We talk about his interviewing advice, he breaks down what he's looking for in a potential hire, and in the technical, we talk about how to build a Slack coffee application. All right. Well, we are back uh, into part two here, Sean. Uh, the ball is in your court. Uh, let's move into the technical portion. All right. Well, uh, as I said, um, in, in recent experience, uh, we've got the actual coding early on in the interview, uh, much more discussion, collaborative uh, traits and values, as I keep saying. Um, mm -hmm. So I will do my best to run you through a slight variation on what we've been using at Active Campaign. Um, uh, a little bit behind the scenes, our goal, whether or not we achieve that goal, but our goal is to have one exercise that sort of scales with candidates. So uh, entry-level candidates could just sort of talk through um, the, the sort of flow and think through the implementation while we'd expect a senior to, you know, super senior engineer to uh, consider edge cases, security, performance, all sorts of stuff like that in the, the same amount of time because uh, uh, hopefully the, the, the problem, uh, you know, scales up. Yeah. All right. So um, we've got a client calls us up and says that they want, uh, they want us to build a Slack app for them. Uh, they're going back to the office, <laughs> pandemic's over. They're going back to the office and they want a Slack app that m does coffee run matchmaking. So, matchmaking. yep. So if I'm, here's a potential use case. I'm at my desk and I'm like, oh man, I could stretch my legs. It's time to run downstairs and hit up uh, Caribou Coffee. So I uh, do slash coffee joint coffee run, and uh, if there's anyone else uh, that is also interested in doing a coffee run, we'll be paired up. It'll say so and so is interested, and uh, we'll both get a message, and then we can go. Uh, ideally, that would be MVP, and then ideally, uh, we could set uh, a different uh, queue length so that we could have more people going out for coffee. So say I don't want to go with one person, but I'm feeling social and I want four people to go out to coffee. Mm -hmm. I could say coffee run four, and then it would work, wait in the background until four people were excited about coffee. And then we would all go together. Does that make sense okay. more or less? Yes. Okay. So coffee Slack app, it's matchmaking. So we will pair people if multiple want to go at once. Okay, great. So, so uh, there's no need, no need to write pseudocode, although you can if you're comfortable with it. So what would, what I'd like to start with is just the simple sort of matchmaking, hopefully mm -hmm. simple. Uh, uh, a Slack bot works by uh, 
um, sending a message to a service and then getting a response. Yeah. So what I'd, what I'd like you to talk about is building that uh, service such mm -hmm. that it can get a message and then send a response. Uh, so to start, I guess, how would you, how would you approach um, just being able to, to match people up if they were both interested in making a run for coffee? Yeah. So I think we need, I'm assuming the Slack bot would connect to some type of API or the Slack bot has some type of API that we can connect to um, through basically writing those messages, right? So if we type slash coffee, then it's sending a request to this bot. Yeah. That, yes. Yeah. Okay. And then the, the, that API, exactly. That's the key word. That API is what we're looking for you to, to talk through. Great. Okay. So API would need to take in something, right? I'm assuming um, the data we would want to um, basically pass to that API would be the kind of user ID or username, right? Some type of identifier for this user. Um, we would also want to um, thinking some type of window, right? Like I'm interested in within the next. 30 minutes or, or whatever the time frame is, right? That they can go to get the coffee. Um, I'm trying to think other key things. There's certainly potentials, right? If I'm thinking MVP, those are the absolute essentials, right? Um, if I'm thinking MVP, it's maybe, you know, other people I might be interested in going with, right? Like maybe I have a group of people that like the engineers I'm interested in. So I don't necessarily need to go get coffee with the marketing people I don't know, right? Or maybe it's open to everyone or just one person, right? Or a very small group of people, right? Some Something like that. Um, but I think that would be less important for initial stages. Um, and we're still going to get this coffee. So uh, it's, it's not like we would need to include anything coffee related, right? I don't need to say espresso in this. Yeah. Yeah, but your your line of thinking is great. Yeah, to think about the customer and the implementation and how this might grow as a product. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, for the get-go, just want uh, to be able to say, as you said, a username mm -hmm. is interested in coffee. Uh, you, you talked about the, the time window, which isn't necessary for uh, version one, but that's a good point too. Would you, uh, would you imagine that as a parameter? So I would say coffee run 30, and that would be yeah. like in the next 30 minutes. Yeah, 30 minutes like leave time as well. And I guess another um, key point would be, you know, maybe there's multiple coffee houses. So I'm interested in this one specifically or this one and, you know, this other one. Um, some people may love Starbucks, but but hey, Caribou and vice versa. Yeah. So some yeah, type of true. qualifier. Yeah. I'm trying to... Those are the things that immediately come to mind as... Um, is the key kind of data we would need to send to this. Yep. Is there so anything I'm, else? No, no. I mean, like I, like I said, to, to get started, the minimum viable, it's hardly a product, minimal viable bot is, uh, as you touched on, just the username. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm curious in terms of design, I don't have a strong opinion here, to be honest, but in terms of design, would you have, you know, coffee bot, would the API URL be coffeebot slash uh, join? And then the body would include the data? Uh, or do you think, or would you rather do a more general purpose 
like um, coffee bots slash uh, get message, handle message, something like that. Like, is there, do you prefer it in the URL or in the, the sort of body uh, of the post request? Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, as far as a preference, mostly just what I know is in the URL. So I think that's what, what I would lean towards. Um, I think if we were trying to be, I could be wrong here, but maybe we're more secure if we're doing it in the body in some way, shape or form. Um, that may make it easier to scale as well, especially if we're adding multiple parameters. So we don't have a URL that's got, you know, all these different parameters, you know, not including marketing people, but including um, developers that we're interested in going to coffee with. Um, and that would be easier to do in a body yeah. or at least I, less ugly to do in a body. <laughs> and it, I think, uh, this is where I show my own inexperience. I think that the it depends on the the framework that we're using for the API mm -hmm. as well, because some make it really easy to spin up routes, and then mm -hmm. others make it more difficult. So then maybe there's just a path of least resistance to have one route with a bunch of different parameters versus many routes with simpler parameters. Right. Right. And the the, the security you called out. That's a good question. I should talk to our security people and see, does that make a difference? Because the, the URL isn't encrypted, or is it? I should learn I, more about HTTPS. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that depends too, right? If it's HTTPS or not. And I don't, I, I've just been thinking of this recently. I just had a, a piece of functionality we took from being handled by like a, a PHP backend. And then we're going to pull um, a lot of that code into the, the front end or basically having JavaScript assemble some some HTML instead of having it done on the, the backend as a string. And after we got done kind of thinking of how to do this, my thought was, wait, now we're basically showing all of this to anyone who wants to see it though, which I don't know if that's a security concern, but... Um, it's a hospital application. So it's something that I think I'm always aware of. How much can we, you know, not have out on the <laughs> the forefront where anyone who can, you know, inspect element can see everything we're doing and all the variable names, which might be useful for them if they're actually trying to do something malicious, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I don't know if we and have that, concerns with our coffee bot about that, but. <laughs> not yet, but once it takes off. <laughs> once it's our killer so, app. Yeah. So how uh, do you have any bright ideas about the matchmaking? So we we imagine we have the API endpoint or the route, whatever framework we're using, you get username comes in and then um, how, how do you imagine uh, uh, you would sort of queue up and match people? Uh, it, it, how would you design that uh, that algorithm? Yeah, um, I think it's a queue that a priority. Well, I would say a queue or maybe a priority queue would be using a first in, first out approach. Um, essentially, you know, the, the people who signed up; those are the people who. Well, if we do a priority queue, we can assume some type of priority to it, right? If you say I'm, I need to um, basically have coffee the next 15 minutes, right? You're going to jump to the front of the line versus someone who puts an hour in there. But still, if you signed up first, you should be um, a higher priority than people who have signed up later, right? It, at least that's my initial thought. Would um, <coughs> uh, 
would, uh, uh, for version one at least, uh, if it's just pairs, mm-hmm. uh, how, again, there's no right answer. I'm, I'm really showing my cards and being transparent here. How, how fancy uh, would you get if it's just pairs to start? Like we have mm. one come in and then the next come in and then they're ready to go. Yeah, I, I don't. I mean, that 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 would I guess could be pretty straightforward. Right? You could use something as simple as an array, right? Just saying, if you know, length is less than three, right? Then send it off, mm-hmm. right? Um, or if length is equal to to two, then it's ready to go, right? Oh yeah. So as soon as someone comes in, it, they're they're kind of put in uh, the first spot in an array. When the second person comes in, then it's good to go, and it's they're kind of both sent there. You're matching yeah. me, right? And in theory, that could, that could scale up to four, right? You could have several people. Um, mm-hmm. Seems like it would be straightforward, right? I think it, if I'm really yeah. scaling it, then I want some type of priority queue tree. But um, I think that that would work if we're just trying to get something out. If I'm, if I'm the intern and I've been tasked with building this app, that's what I'm definitely using. Yeah. That's yeah. That's a a good point. And I, I think, uh, I think that, yeah, that, that sort of just an array. And when the array gets, when we see the array get to a certain size and say, ta-da, you're all matched. And then we send them all some sort of message. I think that scales until uh, as you mentioned, what if there are groups? What if yeah. there are certain restaurants? Like there's all sorts of additional buckets to worry about in the future. But for the start, I think, I think that's good. Uh, so now the, if, if we take the array for granted and it's sort of in memory, now how do we make this highly available and fault tolerant? So what happens if uh, you know, we're deploying this to Kubernetes we have this service highly available and the service, you know, with Kubernetes, it needs to be able to be killed and relaunched and mm-hmm. multiple copies of the same. Uh, so how, how do we make sure that, uh, God forbid, the power goes out in the data center? Mm. Uh, we don't lose these matches because this, this coffee is important. Yeah, I guess we could. If we want to ensure that this, you know, right, we're not all just handling this all in memory, we can um, do some type of database call and database storage um, and write each incoming request to a database, right? Saying that this is a, some type of incoming request. Here's the the um, identifier, right, that they passed in. Um, and again, if we want to time frame, I guess would be less uh, critically important, right? Um, but at least we have that they've passed that in, right? And maybe a, a date associated with it, right? So we know it was on this day. And that would also give yeah. us a record. We can obviously use that information to see how often our coffee app is being used, right? Versus um, just going, yeah, it seems <laughs> like people are getting coffee together, right? Yeah, no, that's a good point. Uh, one of the one of my canned questions is, is often like, uh, let's imagine management says, <clears throat> uh, people must go out to coffee uh, and then you know being able to track it and keep a an audit log uh, is helpful for that uh, that very creepy product request coffee great <laughs> brother right. yeah I, 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 I don't know if there's what do you think as far as like I guess I, I don't really know if we can 
from an API request, we could push that directly to a database. I mean, it would just depend on what database we're using and, and how we'd want to format that. But we would be able to make that request at the same time, essentially. And then we could probably update that um, once they get the confirmation, right, of like, mm -hmm. this was an incoming request and this was an actual confirmed one, right? So we could have both mm -hmm. sides of it. Um, so then, uh, let's, let's poke at the, the problem in a different way and say, this company has uh, phenomenal growth. There's, uh, there's now a hundred thousand employees at this company and they all want coffee. Uh, so do you, do you imagine any odd edge cases? Uh, again, assuming that, uh, this is just the MVP and mm -hmm. we're using a, sort of a database as a queue at this point to just sort of put in people and then match the top two, then put in the next two, match them. Uh, yeah. Do you anticipate any problems if we're getting hundreds or thousands of requests a minute? Yeah, hopefully if we're, we're you know, at some type of scalable system, then, then we won't have any type of, um, I don't know, overflow, uh, overload of our, our actual database, right? Um, hopefully. <laughs> I guess we could, we could, design a database that would make sense to if we're, we're planning on handling hundreds of thousand requests a day, right? Or, or per minute, if we have a lot, a lot of employees. Um, potential issues, apart from like people issues, right? I, this, the CEO is going to match with just random people. I mean, that's, that's its own issue, right? But um, I don't know. It's, as long as we're ensuring that there's always a one-to-one -one match, right? There's, as soon as this is two, it's being sent out, right? There's mm -hmm. no issue where sometimes it's three or somehow three people are getting a message at once, which shouldn't necessarily have issues with. Um, and there's no specific assigning of people, um, then we don't have to worry about one individual being with some very specific criteria being set aside and never mm -hmm. getting matched with. Um, I don't know if I see any immediate issues. What do you, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I, if I, I'm, uh, I think I'm taking, uh, this is where the whiteboard helps because in my mind, I'm taking for granted, I think that we have, we may have multiple sort of uh, nodes mm -hmm. that are all connected to a single database. So the database acts as the sort of um, the, the bottleneck, the concurrency limiter. Because, uh, you know, if we had multiple ones, then you might have a request go here. Actually, no, now that I say it out loud, because if you have a request go here and a request go here, and each one is still only looking for two and they're not duplicated, then, yeah, I guess, <laughs> see, it depends. It, it depends entirely on the setup because uh, right. if, if the database, what's the technical term for it? If, like, the database is um, unique, then there's no trouble. If we get into, you know, redundant databases, readers and writers and, and things like that, then that's a whole nother kettle of fish. But for for MVP for the supposed architecture, I really can't think of anything anything strange to be on the lookout for. Good. So um, I let's talk a little bit about the uh, sort of future state. Then, so this is a great success, and they come back and they say. Uh, we we would like to be able to have preferences, and I don't I don't want to set it every time. Like say slash coffee run mm -hmm. department time frame 
blah, blah, blah. I'd, I'd like persistent preferences. So in the future, when I say it's coffee time, the system just knows uh, what I like in terms of, let's say, uh, store, uh, team, uh, mm -hmm. sort of like which department to look in. Uh, yeah, let's just go with those two for the for the start for preferences. Okay. I don't know. I don't know a ton about Slack bots and if there's a way to save it on that side, but are we assuming it's going to be in the, basically the AP, the database is going to remember? I guess that that's the question, right? Is how, how are we going to remember that? I, I don't really know enough about Slack bots to say if there's a way to auto generate that, but assuming that we're not auto generating a string based on the, the fact you just say coffee time writing that auto completes with what your normal settings are um, with some Slack magic, then um, maybe we have some type of um, state that you can set essentially or, or preference um, that you can set as an initial variable you can pass or at some point you can pass and you can update um, up along with your, your coffee request that says like save settings or something. And then that's set in the database and anytime it sees this unique identifier for this individual come in, it's going to look at that um, specific preferences and then always populate whatever their um, their other preferences are. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. I, well, I think it does. I was, I was going to follow on to that to say, like, do you imagine a separate command and API? Let's, let's assume that Slack doesn't support any state and we must implement it in our service. Yeah. Uh, do you imagine a separate API, separate command that's like preferences? Uh, or uh, are you saying like, um, if a request is made, uh, somebody could, you know, we have the long string for your first coffee run, but then mm -hmm. after that, those are just set as defaults. Yeah. Well, at any time you can essentially, if, if the string would be, you know, coffee time, right. Whenever you want to get coffee, let's say the, the first time it's going to read your, your name and pass that in, or maybe we have to pass it write the name ourselves. Um, and the, the time frame. those two things you always have to add. Right. But you can also write slash preferences and then fill out the other things. And mm -hmm. again, this is I'm thinking how, how does Slack work slash help or something on the bot shows you here are all the different preferences that you can fill in and here's the syntax. And then when the API will also pass that in, so whenever it sees that slash preferences, it'll know to update those preferences. Or if it's the first time, it'll save those preferences. So otherwise, coffee time... If those preferences are set, it will always um, read those preferences from the database. And if it's the first time they're being passed in, that it will set those preferences. Or I guess you can update those preferences as well. Yeah, makes sense. And then, again, this is where the whiteboard comes in handy because if we had written this out, I would have, we'd have this in mind. So the do the um, uh, where where do you persist these preferences? Like is the is the in the database? Is there a separate schema? Is there is there a big? Because I you know I'm making the gestures. We got the the nodes for our scalable system, and each one yeah. has their own sort of database that goes with it. Do we have a sort of global database outside that stores preferences? Do preferences go with the sort of coffee transactional database? Uh, what do you, what do you think? 
Yeah, I would say it's same database, just different schema and a schema that has, you know, the different references in it. So each, basically the, the different, well, different table that has its own schema, right? So each um, table would be, you know, this is coffee transactions um, or coffee, basically inputs, right? They're, coffee confirmed right like it's actually happening um you're gonna have user ids in there and then um user preferences right which has a user preferences would have a belongs to user ids relationship with the user ids which would have i think I think, <laughs> um, yes, the, the user preferences would belong to the user IDs, right? Yeah, I mean, this uh, this is where I keep saying the whiteboard, uh, this is this is why being able to doodle comes in handy because uh, it's very difficult to keep all this uh, in our minds because um, I am sure this is where, and, and this is where my own uh, lack of practice comes in, I am sure with uh, very experienced candidates that there is a trade-off with um, where the database lives in relation to the, mm. the service, um, uh, whether we're joining on every request, whether it's cached, whether like what sort of database we use, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like I'm sure there's a lot of trade-offs there as soon as we start to add uh, additional stuff than just you know matching two and two. Absolutely. This is an area where uh, once we, the closer we get to the database, the more my ignorance and inexperience <laughs> yeah. comes in where I go, oh, we'll just do this. And it sounds great. And this is where my, yeah. you know, the folks I work with, my, my lead would go, oh, yeah, that, that's going to be pretty tough. We're doing three database calls for every <laughs> one API transaction. I go, okay, well, let's figure out the best way to do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we got the API and then blah, blah, blah. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll just make a whole new <laughs> a whole new database for this. You don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Uh one one other hypothetical feature request I wanted to throw at you is uh because I, I talked about preferences, the store, uh mm-hmm. or the, the team, the the which coffee shop you prefer. Um let's say uh the CEO wants a one off system where uh, she alone can request a match with a person. So the CEO will sort of wait off to the side until this person is ready for coffee and then straight to the top, the CEO and that person go out to coffee. Uh, where, where, would we, where would we put that? How would you think about implementing that? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if, well, I think we could still use the same type of API request again if it was just a different parameter we're passing in, like you know CEO key or master key, right? That, um, and then they would need to pass in the specific person, right, or or someone that they wanted to request to. So that ID, um, I think the part in my mind that is more like, oh, I don't really know how we would do that. Is then we have to generate some type of process to send that person some type of hey you're you're being requested for coffee right and then they would that would be a whole different flow than anything else we've done um 
but as far as like where would they be stored i, I guess we could have some type of oh that's interesting because everyone else is one-on-one is -on -one and they're coming in um Yeah, I guess they'd almost have to be held in a like their own. Could it kind of almost need to be a different database um, table as well, where we have basically CEO coffees, right? Um, where <laughs> where the variables are, are basically different that are being passed in. There's some type of individual. So then, when they're stored in memory, essentially what we're waiting for is some type of confirmation from that person so that other api request that once something gets sent to that person that says the ceo wants coffee with you they respond you know yes um five minutes or whatever it is then they get matched with the the ceo i don't know if i know the best way to do that but it it seems like there would need to be a new either an addition to the API that exists and then some type of new response to the API based off of a certain parameter that's passed in and then its own database um, table that, that holds specifically CEO coffees. Mm -hmm. So the, you're, you're going in the same direction that, that I went. I was thinking, because we only have one CEO. So for the first iteration of this special matchmaking feature, uh, we could hard code it. So like, if username is CEO, other code path. Yeah. Uh, but uh, where uh, with the with the Slack bot with like the Slack interface, mm -hmm. Slack will only send the API requests that we agree on. But yeah, some some malcontent could use uh, a you know a raw HTTP mm -hmm. request and say my username is CEO. Um, so, so how, how, how would you, what, how would you worry about security? What do you think we could do to try to make sure that it's actually the CEO that's making that request for special coffees and not some troll that's, you know, setting arbitrary meetings. The intern. Uh... <laughs> the evil intern. Yes. The evil intern who had to build this bot. Um, Interesting. It's a good question. The the master key or CEO key. I mean, there's. I don't know if I know how to do it, but I'm sure there would be a way to encrypt that key or some type of what is it? G GP. GP something key, right? That that is basically a unique identifier, right? That could be passed in. Um, that would only be approved on their essentially their computer um, and maybe their Slack, right? If they could, if there's a, we could build that process in. Um, or have some type of. Yeah, I don't know. That, that that would be my my thought is if if that unique identifier instead of just being CEO or or, or master, right? CEO true, which is what I was thinking. Just that mm -hmm. a boolean is it's um, CEO and then it's some type of unique identifier. I don't know how on the database we can represent that that's consistently correct, right? If it's some type of mm -hmm. um, change, but that would be my thought, and I'm sure we can figure that out. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, I'm I'm. No security wizard myself, uh, but yeah, I appreciate like you you talk through it and you're like I I think 
This is the general approach. Um, I, I, I'm cheating because I happen to know from Slack bots that there's a um, uh, OAuth flow between mm. Slack and the third-party service. So there is some continuity where you don't just look at the username, you look at a, uh, I think it's a, some sort of SHA hash that like says, you know, this user is this user is this user. Uh, and it is coming from Slack. Uh, yeah. So we could do something like that. Um, but yeah, even, even something as simple as a password in the mm-hmm. body, it, uh, basic auth, you know, would, would probably be helpful as well. Anything to prevent that, that darn intern from <laughs> wreaking havoc. It's his last week and he's out to <laughs> show them who he is. Yeah. Well, uh, Taylor, with that, I have exhausted my, uh, my sort of exercise so we can, we can rap about it. Uh, or not. Yeah, it's it, up to you. Uh, yeah. great. Um, whatever feedback you would typically share, I know in interviews, you know, typically there's not necessarily a ton of back and forth, but, um, I think that was, that's, that's, an interesting exercise and i think one that maybe got less in the weeds of like specific technologies than stuff like that in the past that i've done which i think is actually useful because yeah. i can give you the answer of i would use javascript to do this but because yeah. i know javascript right and maybe node because i feel like all the slack bots i've seen are in node for some reason but that might just be why um just specific slack bots uh but yeah, yeah. any feedback um or maybe general things to think of when someone is going through this type of exercise would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. In, in general, if this were a real interview, you know, generally we try to be like supportive and transparent and stuff, but generally the, uh, we, our recruiter talent acquisition team will follow up after the fact and say like, this is, this is sort of the feedback we got just FYI, try, try to be helpful without being, um, rude uh liable yeah, constructive criticism <laughs> yeah <laughs> well, that's true. uh but yeah i was jotting down notes like i i uh if you were interviewing for real i love that uh even if you weren't sure how to do it you sort of talk through the approach mm-hmm. and uh even though the details weren't there the you know the spirit was there the 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 target was correct um so much of the discussion uh, I, I don't think this is official, but so much of the discussion is is often. Uh, sorry, let me let me start over. So much of the perception of performance in these technical interviews hinges on vocabulary. So, mm-hmm. like the fact that you could rattle off, you know, some buzzwords and some technologies and stuff. Like, uh, like I said, I don't think it's a it's not, or I know it's not officially in any sort of rubric, but for an interviewer, it's like, well, if this person said node, then, you know, if this person said MySQL, then they must know something. Uh, being conversational about the technology uh, played in your favor. Um, and I think through our exercise, uh, you could, I hope you could see that like a, a super senior engineer would have done something similar already and they probably would have rattled off like, oh yeah, I'd use this database for a queue. Mm-hmm. I'd use Kafka, I'd do this, I'd do that. Uh, because they walk the path already, they would be able to just rattle it off and then get straight to the edge cases and the trivia questions and the 
the stranger stuff. Yeah. Um, and then in our conversation, just, I guess, because it was on my mind, we talked about security a couple of times, which, uh, like I said, I am by no means any sort of security expert. Uh, we have a team for that at active campaign, but, uh, I found that productive to, to sort of back and forth on that because we were both sort of in the dark, uh, it gave me confidence that like we could figure this out together. I, I love that world. It's, I, I, there's a Darknet Diaries is a podcast I listen to a lot. And oh, it's, yeah? it's basically a guy who was a security researcher for like 10, 15 years and then started this podcast about all these like really interesting. Some of them you've heard of and some of them you'd be like, I had no idea that this happened. Just these big hacks or um, they're kind of crazy wow. events. And so security is always on the top of my mind. And the more I listen to the podcast, the more I'm like, I don't ever want to work in that world. But it's really interesting to hear the aftermath as long as I didn't have to be involved. Right. Yeah, so I always think uh, yeah. about it and and try to pick anything up from that podcast of like, is there anything I can just keep in mind when I'm coding something? And I'm like, oh, no one will hit the inspect element button and <laughs> try to be malicious, right? Yeah, yeah. The security-minded people are uh, are a paranoid uh, paranoid bunch, and to their credit, though, like there's yeah ways that things have been exploited. Uh, that I, I couldn't even imagine, but they, mm -hmm. they get in there and they tinker. I, I Googled the Darknet Diaries. This looks like a great, a very cool show. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Jack Recider, I think is the host, and he does a really good job yeah. of like building an interesting narrative while also interviewing people. And sometimes you're like, how did you get this person who's actively being investigated for this crime on the show to talk about how they did it? Right? It's just like crazy. That's awesome. <laughs> so cool. <laughs> Cool. Uh, well, anything else? Uh, no, this was, this was a lot of fun. Hopefully this is helpful for somebody out there. Uh, at the very least, it was helpful for me to get all my thoughts together and talk to you about it. It was exciting. Yeah, absolutely. It was a blast. Thank you. Thanks so much um, for for being on the show. Um, before we close, anything else to, to share, anything to plug um, that that uh, I think Active Campaign is hiring, right? You're, you're in the little <laughs> yeah. growth phases. Yeah. Active campaign is hiring. Use my own advice against me and hit me up. Send me a message on LinkedIn. I'll even if you're not a fit, I'll talk to anybody. Uh, if we're not hiring you now, we might hire you in the future. And you just got the study guide for for what you know a potential interview might look like in some way, <laughs> shape, or form. So there you go. Yeah, now now our recruiting team's going to be all mad. We're going to have to make a new <laughs> exercise because I just gave it all away. Well, luckily I was not very good at it. So. <laughs> <laughs> great well thank you so much uh it was a uh, blast thank you Sean. taylor yeah <laughs> thank you for watching the technical interview portion of the professional technical interviewee if you want to tackle this interview question you can find it at github.com slash professional technical interviewee new episodes are released on the first four thursdays of each month find us on youtube at youtube.com slash taylor dorset or on apple podcast or spotify make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes and remember keep practicing.